Papa, where is all that mournful music coming from? This is my favorite film score. Really? Of all time. Of all time? It's not my favorite film of all time, but it's my favorite film score of all time. James Newton Howard is a genius. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where we have a not-so-quiet way. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And on today's episode, we're going to be covering the 2004 M. Night Shyamalan thriller, The Village. Guys, we're here! <laughs> I want to start this episode by welcoming everybody to Ross's third choice for birthday month. And by this point, will it have been my birthday? I think it will have been your birthday. So happy birthday to me! Happy birthday to Ross! We're going to have to double up on some recordings, because Ross is going to Michigan. <laughs> yeah, you you are getting away. Guys, I just need to see the Chase Tower disappearing in the skyline behind me. Like, I gotta get out of the city, it'll be nice to collect my thoughts, go about nature. Go full Walden for a few days. Mackinac is my happy place, so... If you guys didn't get Ross a present, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you leave your podcast reviews, and give us a recommendation. Guys, we'd really like to see more. Write us a review, leave us a rating, recommend us to a friend. I mean, we're starting to get some traction, aren't we? We sure are. We love seeing this audience grow. So be a part of that. You can join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, guys, check out the show notes for all kinds of resources on Black Lives Matter, protest resources, bail bonds, and some podcasts that we're listening to. We really do want you to put that information to good use, and we want you to support all of our fellow creators, Black Lives Matter. Make sure you're reviewing, rating, and retweeting them as well. All right, you ready to get lost in the woods? Let's get lost in the woods! (laughs) We have always had, since the day we settled here, a gentle understanding with the creatures who live beyond our borders. We do not stray into their woods. They do not come to our village. I have always pictured them in some ways as our protectors. They have allowed us to live here, nestled amongst them in this untouched place. By the markings we find this morning on our homes, I feel they were warning us. We may question ourselves at moments such as these. Did we make the right decision to settle here? I fear our days of peace are over. Is 
Is this our first M. Night Shyamalan? I believe it is. This, uh, guys, our first M. Night Shyamalan film. Guys, I love Shyamalan. Well, you and I were never going to agree on everything. Okay. Listen, I get it. I get the appeal. I'll never forgive him for what he did to Avatar. I'll never. You're right. <laughs> You're right. He does have some things to repent for. Like he just. You that... mean the white people Avatar? Oh my god, uh... <laughs> guys. I love this movie. Listen, I find your emotion for this movie dear, and it comes from a great place. You're the Billy of this episode, where you're like, Am I the only one who understands the complexities of this ambitious cinematic masterpiece? This movie isn't stupid. You're stupid. I love this movie ever since it came out. I can remember dad taking you to the movie theater to see this movie. I didn't get to go because the rating was a little off. You were too young. I was, you I, were too young for it. They thought I would be too young for it. And I remember you guys coming home from the movie <laughs> and you being like, oh, what? It was okay. And dad being like, you know what? That was the worst piece of crap I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. I love in the Wikipedia article for this, it says, The film received mixed reviews from critics, <laughs> with many critics expressing disappointment in the twist ending. I mean, M. Night Shyamalan is known for his twist endings. And see, that's the thing here. I, we're going to do today's episode like y'all don't know what's coming, and then we'll get there when we get there. But most of you probably know what's coming. And here's the thing. Context is key. Like, he had a string of films there for a while where it was these big twist endings. Sixth Sense. And so, like, people had come to expect a certain level of something from him. And I just think it didn't deliver here for a lot of people. I think some people thought it was lazy. But we'll get to that. This film is beautiful. That's the thing. I'm going to say it now. I love the way this movie makes me feel. The production design, the cinematography, all of the principal photography, everything is gorgeous. The music. The music is the perfect mood setter. Like, it's it's the kind of thing that, like, if this movie were a little different, it would be one of the best movies I'd ever seen. That makes me happy to hear you say that. No, listen, I... <laughs> Harry doesn't like this movie. I, I, it's not that I don't like this movie. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading the review. Keep going. <laughs> Roger Ebert gave it one star. <laughs> Can I read? Yeah, go ahead. The Village is a colossal miscalculation. A movie based on a premise that it cannot support. A premise so transparent it would be laughable if the movie were not so deadly solemn. <laughs> To call the ending an anticlimax would be an insult, not only to climaxes, but prefixes. <laughs> it's a crummy secret about one step up the ladder of narrative originality from it was all a dream. Yeah, no, that's how Click ended and I got mad about it. It's so witless, in fact, that when we discover the secret, we want to rewind the film so we don't know the secret anymore. That's what I'm telling you, man. This movie only stands up to one viewing. It's not that I don't like this movie. I think that I, like many, feel there was some wasted potential here. And I feel like you would only have to make small changes to make this movie better. But I'll prove my case when we get there. I think by the time we're done with this, you'll all love this movie, too. Yeah, because you get to go through it with us this time. Absolutely. Okay. As always, we've got names. We've got names. Welcome back, Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, <laughs> in her second kicking and streaming appearance. She was Hilly in The Help you when also, we covered The Help. You also know her from things like Black Mirror, Twilight Breaking Dawn. <laughs> 
That's right. Where she's miraculously the replacement actress for that one vampire who's all like hot and dangerous. We have, as Carrie likes to refer to him, Hoquin Phoenix. I literally said it that way once and he won't let me forget it now. You know Joaquin Phoenix from things like M. Night Shyamalan films, <laughs> Joker, Gladiator, Walk the Line. Um, I love Walk the Line. Do you really? We did that movie in film lit in oh high my God! school. In film lit? Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon doing all of their own singing? That's pretty good. It was pretty good. William Hurt. I know William Hurt from this movie. Is that it? I, I'm sure he's in other things. I thought he was in Lady in the Water, but I got him confused with Paul Giamatti. <laughs> I remember, I think he was the dad in Tuck Everlasting. I'm really not sure anymore. I used to get him and John Hurt mixed up all the time. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big mix. Yeah, that yeah, no. That's a big mix up. Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman are different people, and so are John and William Hurt. We have Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. I'm trying to remember the last thing I saw him in. Kong. Maybe that was it. King Kong 2005. I love that movie. Wasn't he also in Midnight in Paris with Owen Wilson? Didn't he play Salvador Dali? He is Salvador Dali in Midnight in Paris. Oh, good. Yeah, that's what it was. We have the one, the only, and I believe in her first kicking and streaming appearance, Miss Sigourney Weaver. Finally, Sigourney! Sigourney, if you are a human alive today, Sigourney Weaver is, you know, speckled throughout your film viewing lexicon. You, we know uh, her as Ellen Ripley from the Alien Saga. We know her from Ghostbusters. We know her from Holes. Oh my Excuse god! Excuse me! <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Oh my god, Galaxy Quest is such a good movie! Avatar. Uh, we're not gonna, you know what, I'm... Mm. <laughs> She's in that movie. What movie? Go ahead, say it. Cabin in the Woods. I love Cabin in the Woods. It's a stupid movie. I should make you do that this Halloween. But you know what else is a stupid movie? What? This. Yes, this is also stupid. <laughs> we have Brendan Gleeson. Professor Moody, everybody. We know him as Mad-Eye Moody from Harry Potter. We know him from other Brendan Gleeson things. <laughs> That's, you can't name a single other thing. Well, give me a second. <laughs> He's in Braveheart. Is he really? He's uh, uh, Mel Gibson's best friend. <laughs> he's William Wallace's best friend. Uh, Hamish is his name. Oh, he's a Hamish, all right. Okay. We have Cherry Jones. I've only ever seen Cherry Jones in M. Night Shyamalan films. You know, she's Officer Patsky in Signs. Oh, yeah. She's the cop that's there on the site of the wife's accident, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Oh, man. She's also an Aaron Brockovich. I have seen her in that. That's like the one M. Night Shyamalan project I haven't seen her in. She was also married to Sarah Paulson. Yo! They were married for a time. She was giving me some vibes. Sarah Paulson is into older women. Good for her. Like, yeah. Mature women know what they want. We have Judy Greer. Judy Greer. We know Judy Greer from things like Archer and 13 Going on 30. You may also know her as a kitty character from Arrested Development. Oh my god, she that was her name in Arrested Development. It was, was kitty. kitty. Judy Greer has a weird energy and I love her to death. She's also in another movie I love with Orlando Bloom. It's called Elizabeth Town. You love Elizabeth Town? It's okay. Well, I don't like love it, love it, but it's a nice movie. I like it. Where he takes his dad's ashes on a cross country trip. It's quirky. It is. <laughs> We have Jane Atkinson. You know her from playing Senator and Secretary of State Catherine DeVrant. 
first time I've ever recognized her. On House of Cards, Netflix's House of Cards. Jesse Eisenberg is uh, weirdly <laughs> in this movie. I think he was starting out. He's a baby. He is a baby in this movie. First time I've ever recognized him, too. And he appears for like four seconds. I know. So. The only other person I think is worth mentioning is M. Night Shyamalan himself, <laughs> who has got to be in his damn movie. He's got to be someone. Just somewhere. James Newton Howard garnered his fourth Oscar nomination for Best Original Score for The Village. Speaking of James and his abilities, can we talk about this opening sequence real quick? I don't know if it's like a screech flu or whatever, but it is ominous. (laughs) It makes me, it makes my ass leak. Like all of these shots of the woods set to this gray scale. It's eerie and terrifying. I know. It's really setting the mood. Before we dive into the plot, Ross, you're the history guy. Give us a general idea of what our time period is. So this is the year 1897, and we are in a place somewhere in Pennsylvania. It's called Covington. It's called Covington Village. It's in the middle of Covington Woods, and they are in a place called Covington Valley. (laughs) Covington, Covington, Covington. They don't have electricity. They don't have indoor plumbing. They exist solely on a barter system. Like, they don't have money. Yeah, they don't have an economy. Yeah. It's Which kind- sounds kind of just, like, great, doesn't I, it? In a way. If you could make it work, you know, like. See, see, we are exactly the people who would fall for this shit. Exactly. <laughs> we, we gotta be careful yeah, about that. They have to build everything for themselves, clean everything for themselves, you know. They don't really have a government. They're, like, led by a council of elders. Yes, they are. And so it's just, it is just a different kind of place. It's got a culty vibe to it, uh-huh. but uh-huh. We'll, we'll get more into that. So we open on a burial. Oh, uh, yeah. I have, we open on a child's funeral. Big ol' yikes. So one of the elders, August Nicholson, is laying his seven-year-old son, Daniel, to rest. And we're not really given what he's died from, but he's obviously died from something that they can't treat because they don't have the medicine or the technology. And due to the date on the gravestone, we can deduce that this is September. Isn't that nice? How apt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we are now in September. We sit down for a meal after the funeral. Edward Walker stands up. He's the schoolmaster, I think. He's the schoolmaster and he's the chief elder. Yeah, he's the he's the elder of the elders. He's the leader of the village. He's trying to say something nice. We may question ourselves at moments such as these. Did we make the right decision to settle here? We are grateful for the time we have been given. And like, he's just trying to give everybody a moment of comfort. And the woods are making all of, is making all of these threatening, groaning, creaking sounds. (laughs) 
have Noah. Yeah. We have Noah Percy. The guy laughing is Noah. Adrian Brody. He's probably around my age, actually. Yeah, yeah. Probably 25, 26, 27 years old. But due to being developmentally delayed, it comes off as though he is definitely an adult man with the mind of a small child. Like he's three, four, five year old. Yeah. Something like, like that. That is his level of understanding of the world. And so he is just, you know, he doesn't know. He doesn't know why everybody's scared. Like he he, he gets excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's just like, um. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Life is pretty quaint in Covington Woods. Yeah, we see the life of work of Covington Village. I love that sequence. And I just, I love the windy violin, as I like to call it. I love, you know, the little girls splashing and playing in the water as they're cleaning up all the dishes after the funeral. All the lady with the sheep and the people working in the greenhouse. And I especially love the shots of the two women playfully sweeping on the porch. One of the first weird things you realize about this place is uh, they have an aversion to the color red. They notice this red this red weed the growing like out of the porch. It's salvia. And they notice it immediately. They take it and bury it in the yard. Like yeah. they they it's like they have to do it before anything else. We also get this shot of a man standing in a guard tower. Yeah, that's the second weird thing you notice. The entire border of the clearing is patrolled. So the people of Covington follow three commands. Number 1, let the bad color not be seen. It attracts them. That would be red. Number 2, never enter the woods. That is where they walk. And number 3, Heed the warning bell, for they are coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And you're like, who's they? <laughs> like, what's in the woods, my dudes? This whole film is shot in a field in, like, it's right by the border between Delaware and Pennsylvania. That's crazy. Yeah, and they literally built this entire set in this random person's field. It took, like, six weeks or something. Yeah. But it is, like, it's so detailed. And I, I love the production design because everything is fit to specify the time. Yeah. Like, the, the, the amount of detail that goes into it. So, Chief Elder... Edward Walker. He is the schoolmaster. He was a teacher in the towns, as they like to call it, or the civilization where everyone came from to settle in Covington. I'm assuming it's Philadelphia I mean, when yeah, they talk about the towns. That would be the closest big town at the time. Okay, so he encounters a group of his students outside the schoolhouse, and they're standing around this murdered, maimed dog carcass. And so he sits them down and he's trying to talk to them about it and asking them, like, what happened? And none of the kids are like, well, I don't fuck if I know. Like That one kid's like, hey, hey, what about those creepy things that live in the woods? This is where we learn about those we don't speak of. We learn that those we don't speak of are human height creatures with the face of a boar that have really sharp claws. They are the things that live in the woods and patrol the border around the woods just as the humans patrol the border around the valley. Covington's almost trapped and completely surrounded by these creatures. Yeah, it's terrifying when you think about it. And they've been known to lurk on the edge so that the people will see them and believe. Children, those we don't speak of have not breached our borders for many years. We do not go into their woods. They do not come into our valley. It is a truce. We do not threaten them. 
Why would they do this? He's genuinely puzzled. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what happened? Because I should know what happened. I see all. So we go to a meeting of the elders. All the first generation members of Covington Woods. So we have Edward and Tabitha Walker. That's William Hurt and Jane Atkinson. We have Alice Hunt, played by Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. We have Virginia Clack, who's played by Cherry Jones. Uh, Robert and Vivian Percy, who are Noah's parents. Victor Underwood, who is the doctor. And we have Henry and Susanna Coyne. And August Nicholson. Yes, and August Nicholson. Can't forget Brendan Gleeson. Lucius Hunt who is played by Joaquin Phoenix. He is Alice Hunt's son. And he comes before the elders to ask permission to cross through Covington Woods to gather new medicines and remedies from the towns and return so that people will stop dying unnecessarily. Well, I mean, you see something horrible like that, a seven-year-old child die, and you're like, well, I can't let that happen anymore. And Lucius is particularly close with August Nicholson. Like, he does a lot of work for him. Lucius is just a nice boy. I think August is also a father figure to Lucius because... Lucius's father died when he was very young. Yeah. I will gather new medicines and I will return with regards to those we don't speak of. I am certain they will let me pass. Creatures can sense emotion and fear. They will see I am pure of intention and not afraid. I love Lucius. He has to read from a prepared statement. Yeah, he's he doesn't speak he's, very often. He, he's the strong, silent type. Exactly. He's very shy. He's a blacksmith. Yes. Yeah. And he's just very generally uncomfortable with speaking. You know, he wants to cross into the woods and get medicine so that no one else will have to die. But that is a big old nope, my friends. Yeah, all of the elders have taken an oath to never go back to the towns for any reason. Like, this is life. This is what they have to work with, and this is how we're doing it. And so, animals continue to appear throughout the village, maimed and murdered. Like, it's very disturbing like, to everybody. It's creepy because, you know, they've been skinned, but the flesh is still on the bones. This is not an animal that's killing to survive. Yeah. This is an act of terrorism. Yeah, this is being done to disturb the villagers. And so we're holding a town meeting where Alice Hunt is up in front of everybody going, no need to panic. Like, we don't believe this is those we don't speak of. They think it's a coyote or a wolf doing it, and nobody's convinced. Like, absolutely nobody. Because a coyote or a wolf would take the animal. Exactly. So, after town hall, we have Kitty Walker, who is Edward and Tabitha's oldest, and she is asking Edward for permission to marry Lucius Hunt. <laughs> Even though Lucius is unaware of her love for him. Yes, <laughs> Because he's like, there's a proper way in which you do this, Kitty. Lucius would be standing here next to you asking me himself. And she goes, hey, uh, I haven't spoken to him as of yet. The young man is unaware of your intentions? He has a quiet way. I was going to talk with him, Papa, but not without your blessings. I won't talk with him without your blessings, Papa. <laughs> it's Lucius Hunt. I don't even know why this is so funny to me. It's just like... <laughs> He has no idea she exists. You yeah. Know, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Emotionally. And this is just, this scene is just funny to me. <laughs> so Kitty goes to Lucius in his workshop to confess her love for him. You ever just open your mouth and fuck up? <laughs> she embarrasses herself. <laughs> Lucius just, just standing there the whole time staring at her. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Like the day is long. I love you more than the sun and the moon together. And if you feel the same way, then we should not hide it any longer. It's a gift, love is. We should be thankful. We should 
bellow it out with all the breath in our lungs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cut to Kitty screaming like someone has died. Elation to devastation like that. Zero to a million. (laughs) She is hysterical. Because he has obviously rejected her. Yeah, spoiler alert. That look he's given her is like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Poor Kitty, you know. Uh, Kitty is being consoled by her younger sister, Ivy, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. Ivy is blind and uses a cane to walk. She's been blind for a long time, but I don't think she was born blind. She was not born blind. She became blind because of typhoid fever. This cane that she uses to get around, Joaquin Phoenix made that for her. He did? He did, and he... I didn't know that little fun fact. And he carved her character name into the handle. Oh, he did? Yeah. That's sweet. That's the cutest shit I've ever heard. So Lucius does handiwork for a lot of village elders, but... He, his his main hang is August Nicholson. <laughs> so he's delivering firewood to the bereaved Nicholson. And Nicholson is, I think, had a couple? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's had a couple of drinks. He's tired. He's grief-stricken. He's having a time. Like a dog can smell you. Pardon me, Mr. Nicholson. You may run from sorrow as we have. Sorrow will find you. Can smell you. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> That's ominous. No, yeah. Sorrow can smell me? <laughs> That's one of those things you catch on the second viewing that you're like, oh fuck. I'm a stink because it's 2020. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> when he says it can smell you, his eyes go to this black box that's sitting underneath the staircase. It's like half in shadow. Yeah. It's like it's going to jump out and grab me or it, something. It does. It looks like it's a creature. Like, uh, uh. Cut with this, we get um, shots of what village men like to play. It's a game called the stump. And there's this <laughs> stump that's on the edge of the wood. And what you have to do is you have to stand with your back to the woods and hold both hands up and see how long you can stay there without running away. Every little twig snap, every little groan of a tree, you just want to run for your life. We have Christop Crane, who is the village dandy. Oh, I hate him so much. We have Jameson. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. He's the one on the stump. I think this is his first time playing the stump. <laughs> You're doing capital, Jameson. Jesse Eisenberg is so scared. I know. He's he, so incredibly scared. He hears one too many twigs snap, and he takes off like he's been shot. So Noah Percy is being violent. He's attacking other men and boys with a very big stick. This is where we get an idea of the type of friendship that Ivy and Noah have. Ivy kind of takes on the role as a secondary caretaker. Yeah, she's like his big sister a little bit. Mm -hmm. She can hear him messing with these other dudes, hears him whacking that kid with that stick, and she's like, hey, knock that shit off. Yeah. (laughs) Noah Percy! Stop your fussing right this moment. And he obeys her immediately. Oh, because she used her mom voice. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, mom's in trouble. (laughs) She takes him to the door of the quiet room, which is just this white shed on the outskirts of the village where I guess I guess it's like the stockade. (laughs) Yeah, like this is a very low crime area, but yeah, (laughs) they have it. I think 
Noah is the one who gets the most use out of it. Yeah. She threatens to lock him in there, but he agrees to take an oath never to strike anyone again. No hitting. No hitting. No hitting. It's beautiful. So they then share in a foot race to the resting rock. This is so funny because she's like, hmm, shall we have a foot race? Yes. Up the hill to the resting rock. (laughs) No cheating. What a deeply scandalous thing to say. I insist you take that back. Is that the school bell? And he turns around to see if the bell's ringing, and she runs. <laughs> I love it. I, there's this moment where he looks like, I can't believe I fell for that. Who do they find sitting on the resting rock but Lucius Hunt? So she very bluntly confronts Lucius about his rejection of Kitty. <laughs> she does not care. <laughs> My sister cried a lot. You wonder how I recognized you? <sighs> Some people... Just a handful, mind you, give off the tiniest color. It's faint, like a haze. Yeah, she can seem to see people who have a distinct color in the darkness. Noah hands Ivy some red berries. And she goes, oh, berries, what a splendid present. And Lucius is like, hey, yo, those are red. (laughs) You hold the bad color. Lucius is like, show me where you picked these. There's this drawing on the resting rock where Noah picked the berries. And it looks like this gigantic, wolfish, boorish creature. And we're like, that's those we don't speak of. (laughs) That's what's walking around in the woods. And it does look quite terrifying. Which means Noah has been in the woods. Yes, this leads Lucius to believe that Noah can come and go from the woods unharmed because he's afflicted. And this strengthens his resolve. He's like, yeah, if I go into the woods, they'll totally see I don't mean them any harm, yo. It'll be cool. Like, let me go, please, please, please. And mom sits him down and is like, no, no, you cannot. And I will tell you why. Your father left for the market on a Tuesday at a quarter past nine in the morning. He was found robbed and naked in the filthy river two days later. And he's like, why did you tell me that? (laughs) That's screwed up. That's messed up, Mom. And she goes, so you will know the nature of what you desire. And he's like, bitch, desire? She's telling him that if he goes to the towns, he's going to be murdered. Yeah. And And you know what? She wholeheartedly believes that. I know she does. Yeah. I know she does. The fear is rampant in this community. Mm -hmm. But you know what Lucius has noticed? So is the secrecy. Do you not see it? And points to what's in the corner? A little black box. (laughs) Just like the one August Nicholson has. He's like, I don't know why y'all are giving me shit. Y'all are the ones who won't tell us anything about the outside world. And you're the ones that are keeping little black boxes full of secrets around. He's like, let's open it. And she's like, sit the fuck down. (laughs) That's a non-starter. She's like, we should go see Edward Walker together. And he's like, you know, he's into you. And she's like, what? This is a subplot that is... It doesn't get a lot of attention. It doesn't. This subplot. I wish it had gotten more attention. Um, But he tells her that Edward Walker has feelings for her. And she's like, what makes you think that he has (laughs) feelings for me? And he goes, he does not touch you. He won't ever touch you. And I'm like, that's a weird way to convey that. Well, it's what Ivy said, right? Sometimes we don't want people to know that we want to do things, so we don't do them. He does right. He doesn't get near her. He doesn't touch her so that no one will think he'll want to. 
So we cut to Lucius. He's going berry picking. I think they're marking outposts. Oh, you think that's what they're doing? Because he's got a bucket of yellow paint with Oh, him. is that what it is? Yes. I'm sorry. I guess I never realized that. I thought they were legit picking berries. No, they're marking outposts. And he just, for whatever reason, decides it would be appropriate to go into the woods. There's a big thunk on the ground and he's like, there are my balls. And then he... <laughs> He walks like straight into the woods. What does he come right upon? He walks right up to a huge patch of red berries and he picks one off the vine. And then there's this crack. One of the creatures has witnessed him. And I love when the camera pans around to where the crack comes from. And just out of frame, you can see its cape whip away out of frame. And he's staring after it wide-eyed, and you can hear all of the creatures begin to moan. Oh, it's not as good. If to announce there's been a breach. Lucius that night encounters Ivy. She's trying to play hide-and-seek with Noah. He walks her back to the house because Ivy and Kitty are look- tending to the younger Walker children, their younger sisters. She tells him that Kitty is going to get married to that stuffed shirt Kristoff. Kristoff Crane, the village dandy. <laughs> um, she- she's... I She's like, you know, now that she's getting married, I am up for grabs. My older sister is now spoken for. I'm now free to receive interest from anyone who might have interest. Dot, dot, dot. Hint, hint. Dot, dot, dot. That same night, Fintan Coin is in the tower and there's this bump at the base of the tower and he opens up that door. And I hate James Newton Howard. (laughs) That creature crosses underneath the shot and then it's just a boom. (laughs) So Fenton shits his cloak. Oh, no. Yeah. He just is like, I think he needs to collect himself for a moment. Yeah. He needs to make sure that what he saw was what he saw or he's about to freak a lot of people out. So he breathes for about 15 seconds and is like, "Uh oh, I got to do my one job. (laughs) So he starts ringing the warning bell. Oh my god! And it's to let you know that the creatures are coming from all directions. The village panics. Now is the appropriate time to panic. Those we don't speak of, as I said, they're human height. With boarish faces, like literally the face of a boar. They've got quills on their shoulders, like they, like porcupine. a porcupine, like yeah. that massive bunch of quills coming out of their back. These prehistoric claws. Yeah. And they adorn these thick red cloaks that cover their whole body. What is M. Knight's fascination with the color red? Like the sixth sense. Red was all the rage in that movie, too. Oh. Red was important. Red was something that you needed to pay attention to. Everybody's McReady. Kitty's getting all the kids down into the cellar. Ivy's refusing to come inside until Lucius comes and saves them. She's standing on the porch and going, no, no, he will come back and make sure we're safe. And she just holds her hand out, waiting for him to grab it. And Kitty's behind her like, please don't let them in, Ivy, you crazy bitch. It's so scary. Oh my God. 
with the scratching you can hear along the side of the house where a creature is dragging its claw. There's this great shot where we see Ivy's outstretched hand from the side. One of those creatures walks into the background. Like the the like the drums oh my of the God. of the of the steps. And we see that creature reaching out to grab her. And right at the last minute, Lucius grasps her hand, whisks her into the house. Oh, the violin. Locks the door, runs her into the cellar. And I just, this is so painful. Oh, all of these scared children. Yeah, all these families locked in their cellars, crying. Oh my god. You can hear the sounds of the creatures busting in their doors. Oh man. And the next morning, we find that all the buildings in the village have been marked with a single red slash. It's a little biblical, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, by the creatures. I feel they were warning us. They acted as if threatened. Creatures have never attacked us without reason. Does anyone here know of a reason why these events may have occurred? We're in a town meeting. Everybody's there. August is like, all right, who did this? It's like G-Dog in his drug lords meeting and going, who snitched? Honestly, like, like why, why is this happening? Okay, this woman, random woman, hands a note to Vivian Percy. She reads the note aloud. On the day before last, I crossed the forbidden line into Covington Woods and was witnessed there by those we don't speak of. I am deeply sorry. I pray that my actions will cause no further pains. Deepest sorrow, Lucius Hunt. So everybody turns immediately to Lucius. Like, oh, he's in trouble. Just like, bitch, you did what? (laughs) (laughs) How fucking crazy do you have to be? And Edward Walker approaches him and he's like sobbing. Like you think he's going to ream him. Yeah. But like, it's not that way at all. Because he knows his intentions are good. This is where I realized that August Nicholson is the minister. Yes, yes. I did, you don't really know what his role is up until this point, but Kitty's marrying Christop Crane. Yeah. So we're having a big village wedding for Kitty. I mean, the wedding of the chief elder's daughter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> posh digs. It's a big deal. Like, I've been to some prairie-themed weddings. Uh-huh. None of them have ever looked this good. This is a prairie wedding, isn't it? <laughs> if there ever was one. I love her dress. Oh, yeah. Her it, flower crown veil. It's beautiful. Everyone's wearing a flower crown. That's what I love about it. it. It's a party. <laughs> We're at the reception. The wedding party's going splendidly. Everyone's having a fabulous time. I love the little lineup that all the elders have got going on you know everybody's telling the parents congratulations you know uh, we know there's only so many choices so good for your daughter (laughs) alice comes up to ed and i love this she is telling him congrats congrats and she is extending her hand to him she just has her hand outstretched and he won't take it and then she walks away and looks back and he's touching mrs percy no problem exactly and she's like Oh, my God. Yeah. The boy was right. Yeah. (laughs) The look on her face. So we're doing this little jig. I don't even know. This coordinating this many people in a dance must be a feat. (laughs) 
this frivolity is interrupted by the sounds of screaming children in the distance. These kids come up to the greenhouse and they're like, they're in the village. They've left more warnings. And Ed's like, huh? (laughs) They get back to the village and a lot of the livestock have been slaughtered and skinned just like before. Everyone's hella spooked. I love the look in Kitty's eyes. Just the dead look. Just like, this is my wedding day. Yeah. Oh, no. Ruined. Ruined. And the elders are aghast. That night, Ivy wakes up and somehow she just knows that Lucius Hunt is on her porch. She knows. She goes, you know, why are you on this porch? He goes, it's not safe. She goes, well, (laughs) there are other porches. Is it because you like me? (laughs) He's not answering like any of her questions. She goes, why can you not say what is in your head? (laughs) And Lucius is like, well, can you stop saying whatever's in yours? Why can you not stop saying what is in yours? I hate the audio in this scene. It's all whispers. Why? Because he's like, (laughs) yeah, it's all whispers. Yeah, he's just whispering and it is not translating to the mic well. What game can rise? Am I telling you? I feel fear as others do. It's when I think of you in harm. That is why I am on this porch, Ivy Walker. I fear for your safety before all others. Lucius is like, fine, you win. I like you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's like, God damn it. And so they kiss and they they're engaged and everything. Oh my god, the music, the nature, the shock composition. The next morning, there's already rumors that they're getting hitched. Here's where I wrote, well, we're in a horror movie and we know we feel way too good about the state of things, which means there's bad things on the horizon. Noah shows up to the hunt house and um he's obviously upset and he's obviously upset About Lucius and Ivy. We think Noah might have a bit of a thing for Ivy. Yeah, and so I just don't understand, number one, how he would how he would perceive Lucius as a threat, and then how he would come to this point of action. Because what happens? I know you were very fond of her. I know she's fond of you. There are different types of love. He turns around into a knife. He's just got a knife in his gut. Noah stabbed him and he just crumples. He just, he just, he's not, I I think he's in shock. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe Noah Percy just fucking stabbed me. And so Noah kind of knows what he's done and he's like almost going to leave. But then he's like, you know what? Better finish the job. And he stabs him several more times. Just like in the torso. His parents find him on the porch with blood all over his hands. He's distraught. Yeah, and he's pointing at his hands. He's going, And so the village is now being searched for someone injured. Everybody's freaked out. These two women come up to Kitty and Ivy, who are leaving the Walker house, Noah, Percy, was found with quarts of blood upon his clothes and hands. The blood was not his own. He will not speak as to whose it is. So Ivy's like, I know. (laughs) Oh, no. Or she's like, I'm afraid I know. She walks right to Lucius's house. And I love that shot of her where she's panting 
and walking to the house. And she's like just the faint sound of her counting the steps in her head of the because she knows how many steps it is from her house to Lucius's house. She stumbles into that house. She steps on him, but she can't see his color anymore. And she gets down and she realizes it's him. And Edward comes into the door. I just hate how upset she is. Oh, I know. Papa? I cannot see his color. is in bad shape. He's probably going to die of infection. Yeah. Ivy demands to see Noah. They've got him locked up in the quiet room. She walks in, walks straight to him, finds his face with her hand. And starts cracking him over and over. Just beats the fuck out of his face. Robert has to drag her out of there. We cut to her with Edward in the meeting hall. She's getting real serious. And she's like, listen, if he dies, I'm done. She's like, I'm already blind and in 1897. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> uh, you need to let me go get medicine for him. We get this scene with Tabitha and Edward. And she tells him, listen, <laughs> she, I know what you're thinking. She's like, I know what you're thinking. You're, and you better not. You th you're thinking of going to the towns yourself. We all took an oath <laughs> to never go back. Ever. You have made an oath, Edward, as all have never to go back. It is a painful bargain, but no good can come without sacrifice. These are your words I'm saying. You cannot break the oath. It is sacred. It is a crime what has happened to Lucius. And we can also just see that Edward has this enormous amount of existential guilt. Because so many people have come to this settlement and died because they don't have the proper treatment and care for people. Ed takes Ivy for a walk and he starts telling her about about her grandfather. James Walker. He was a very successful entrepreneur. The richest man in the town. Yeah. He was a good and honest man. He tells her, you do not know of money. It's not part of our life here. It turns good men's hearts black. Like, even the best of men, my father didn't understand that. He was a poor judge of a man's character. Your grandfather was a good man, Ivy. He had a laugh that could be heard three houses away. He used to hold my hand as I hold yours. He taught me strength and showed me love and told me to lead when others would only follow. Your grandfather, James Walker, died in his sleep. A man put a gun to his head and shot him while he dreamed. His business partner shot him in his sleep because of money. He's about to drop a very big bomb on her, and he wants her to know these things because he wants her to understand why the village is so riddled with secrets. And I love it. He goes, do you know where you are? And she goes, at the old shed that is not to be used. I'm like, just say the empty shed for crying out loud. <laughs> it's That's not their nomenclature. That's not their vernacular. <laughs> the empty shed. It's the empty shed. The shed that is not to be used. Are oh. these the blankets under which to speak loudly? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's where we are. I just love, yeah, he goes, Ivy. Yes, father. Do your very best not to scream. You're just like, what? So is she. 
What? We cut away from that. No, no, no. Hold on. You're going to tease me like that and not show us what's in the shed? So Ivy sets out with Kristop Crane, her brother-in-law, and Fenton Coyne from the Watchtower. They're going to escort her through the woods and to the towns. And Edward gives her a piece of paper that has the medicine that she needs to get on it. What he tells her to do is he tells her to follow the sound of the stream, and they will lead her to a road that will take her to the towns. And she says, Fenton and Kristop are to remain at that point, and you, and only you, are going to go alone. They also take with them a bag of magic rocks. Kristoff is having like cold feet, right? And she's like, it's okay, Kristoff. We have the magic rocks. And I'm like, they didn't even try with that one. Even Kristoff himself goes, why have I never heard of these rocks before? How about the rocks that repel those we don't speak of or the rocks that are definitely bullshit? Kristoff abandons them soon after leaving. Like, what a fuck. No, he chickens out almost immediately. And I'm like, (laughs) guess we can't play the stump after all. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine what Kitty must have done to him? Oh, I know. When he comes back, like... Oh, my God. Fenton leaves, too. He lasts a little longer. Yeah. But he eventually leaves her, too. They left a blind woman in the woods all alone. Well, he tells her, you know, they'll take pity on you because you're afflicted. She pours that bag of rocks out when he leaves. Because she knows it's bullshit. The rocks that are definitely bullshit. We get a flashback to what's been in the shed. Do your very best not to scream. He leads her hand into this dark-ass shed, and you see those claws come into frame, and you're like, and she feels them, and she gets it immediately. Those we don't speak of! Be frightened. It is only farce. It's a fucking costume. Like we, I hate that noise where it's creaking on the chain. It's a fucking costume. And you can see it up close, just how ugly it fucking is. It's not real. So beep, beep, beep. Exposition dump. Ivy's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. So we get this sequence where Edward is sitting on the ground outside the shed with her. And she's asking him about all the aspects of their life. And she's like, you know, what about the screams that come from the woods? And he goes, we create those sounds. And she and I can actually there's a deleted scene where she's in the woods and she comes into this hollow and hanging on the trees are all these pipes and they have holes drilled in them. So that the wind will blow through them. Mm-hmm. And that's, okay. that's what's making the moaning noise. And th- I think they rewrote a little bit because in this deleted scene, she freaks the fuck out. Oh, it's almost brilliant. like she doesn't know already, you know? Yeah. So I think they had to do some... I think they might have had it originally written where she doesn't know that it's all fake until she comes back. In that, that deleted scene is kind of terrifying because she gets into this hollow and the wind picks up and she thinks she's in a clearing with like a hundred of them. Oh, it's not okay. Yeah. And so she asks about the ceremony of meat and she's referring to when all everything got skinned and strewn everywhere. The skinned ones are the elders responsible for that. I believe too. one of the elders is responsible. It will not happen again. Which kind of leads me to believe that he doesn't know who did that. Edward's trying to make it very clear to her, we did not want anyone to leave. And and Ivy's just like, well, fucking yeah, I guess not. <laughs> and you had us terrified our whole lives, like, Dad. She's shocked, but also like very sad. 
Oh, wouldn't you be? I just, the line, it just gets me every time. There is no one in this village who has not lost someone irreplaceable, who has not felt lost so deeply that they question the very merit of living at all. It is a darkness I wished you would never know. And just the way she's just like, I am sad for you, Papa. (sighs) Oh, boy. I'm not sad. You're not. I'm not, not but we'll get there. You feel stupid. You feel duped. um, We get this short scene between Ed and Alice. I wish it had lasted longer. Uh, This scene is a lot because this is where you realize that it's not just Ivy whose love he's protecting. Yeah. It's also Alice's. He's in love with her and does not want her to lose her child. And yeah, he goes to Alice and he's like, listen. I've sent Ivy to the towns. It is all that I can give you. Oh, my God. And they get so close. I know. They get as close as they possibly could without touching. And you're like, oh, my God, just kiss already. He repeats it. It is all that I can give you. And oh she turns God. to him like she's going to kiss him, but he turns his face away. He's like, I'm married. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm like, poor Tab. <laughs> poor Tabitha. <laughs> and so... I have in all caps. I love this scene. (laughs) Yeah, this next scene is my favorite scene. It's got some of the best acting and writing. This is what I like to call Edward's confession. Oh, yeah. All the elders are meeting behind some house out of sight. The meeting that must be secret. Yeah. Ed starts telling them that Ivy wants to go to the towns for medicine. And absolutely everybody is scandalized. And here's where he points out it was a crime. What happened to Lucius? You should not have made decisions without us. You have gone too I'm far. guilty, Robert. I made a decision of the heart. I cannot look into another's eyes and see the same look I see in August without justification. It is too painful. I cannot bear it. I just love this dynamic we're working with here. He's like, I can't look into the face of loss anymore. This is his guilt. It is his guilt. If we did not make this decision, we could never again call ourselves innocent. And that, in the end, is what we have protected here. Innocence. That I'm not ready to give up. Like, this this is the whole point, guys. If we let this go... We can no longer hold our heads high. Yeah. It's Nicholson that says, you know, let her go. Ah, <laughs> uh, let her go. <laughs> if, we, if, we get, if we get screwed, we get screwed. This is my favorite line in the entire movie. Because Mrs. Clack turns to Edward and goes, How could you have sent her? She's blind. She's more capable than most in this village. And she is led by love. The world moves for love. It kneels before it in awe. Isn't that what you're always saying, is that everything good in this world is because of the love of women? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am always saying that, aren't I? Yeah, and just, this is such bravery. Yeah. Such nobility. And she is not scared by any of it. Granted, she does have more information than most at this point, but, but she's not worried. I think this is just the elders come to Jesus moment where they're just like, you can't cheat life. Life, life uh, finds a way. Like, 
we've been trying to cheat life and we just can't allow anyone else to die. Ivy is managing well enough on her own in the woods. She comes to this spot where this tree has just uprooted, fallen over. And she's like, mm, I can just kind of use this as a checkpoint. Let me just look around here and then, um... <laughs> she is in this gigantic hole this, this tree used to be in. This is a deep motherfucking hole yeah. and it's wide. How does this exist out here? It's hard watching her try to get out of this thing. Because she's clinging to the side, and she's just groping for anything she can find to pull herself up. She finally does get out of there, miraculously, and her cane just kind of breaks in half. Yeah. Now her only way of feeling around is gone. This scene where she is just pawing through the wilderness, scared out of her mind. Yeah, don't you feel so helpless? I do. <laughs> She's standing in this bright red berry patch, and it's a great shot. It's a beautiful shot, but it's kind of undercut. By the fact that we know this is BS. Like, yes, she's standing in a patch of the bad color and that's supposed to be like tense. Mm -hmm. But it's like nothing's coming for her. Nothing's coming for her. But. Oh, boy. Here we go. So she hears that one twig snap and she turns around and she knows there's a creature out there. And we see it. <laughs> Yeah, this is where I shit my pants. <laughs> we all know it's bullshit, but I'm still shitting. She turns around. She's like, okay. Time to walk away in the other direction now. That creature runs her down. Yeah. <laughs> the music. Oh my God. Interspersed with the shots of the... Those trees are tall. <laughs> Like, the tree's just waving back and forth at the top. I'm like, ah, this isn't making it better. And so she's running and running, and f she runs, almost injuring herself into the jagged edges of the tree that she encountered earlier. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I'm next to the hole. Light bulb! <laughs> Brain blast! So remember earlier when she was on the porch with Lucius and she was talking about how she wanted to play that game that the boys play at the stump mm -hmm. where they turn their backs and see how long they can stand there? Guys, she throws her arms out. It's a great moment. Uh -huh. She throws her arms out and she stands there until the last possible second. That creature comes running up behind her and as, as it's about to grab her, she just slides out of the way. And that creature goes right down into that hole. We cut to the village. Yeah. And here's where I start to get angry. Okay. It's fine. Just let me get through this. Noah has escaped the quiet room. Not only has he escaped the quiet room, he has found one of the spare suits they keep under the floorboards of the quiet room. And I have it all capital letters. That's convenient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, unfortunately, 
It's Noah that's at the bottom of the fuck you huge hole. And I just, I hate watching him die. Oh, it's rough. Because he's hurt bad. I'm not playing the audio of it. Yeah. It's bad. My question is, why, though? Like, this is something I've always wondered about. Like, just because I find his behavior just seems discordant to me. Well, here's the thing. Like we said, he's developmentally delayed. And so he, the whole time, thinks of the whole idea of those we don't speak of as kind of like a game. You know, he thinks it's his parents playing a game with him because he knows he knows they're not real. Do you think they get ready in front of him and don't worry about it? No, I think he goes to the quiet room a lot and he knows that suit's there. And he's always known it's there. I asked you about this. I was like, if Noah's been the one that's skinning the animals mm-hmm. all this time, yep. how on earth would no one have noticed him coming and going? Because he goes to the quiet room a lot and they leave him there. Where is the quiet room? On, and- it's on the outskirts of the village, very near the border. And he can get in and out of the window. Okay. It's just crazy to me that no one would have noticed him missing before. It was Noah that brought all the wild animals from the woods. It was Noah that the little boy saw on the skirts of the village on the night of the wedding. It was Noah that skinned the livestock. It was Noah that skinned the livestock. And hung it up over their door. Because the elders were freaking out because they're like, none of us did this. I just don't know how he would get there. Like how he would know that's what would freak everybody out. He's playing a game. He thinks it's a game. Okay. All right. It's like, okay. W- like in the minute, the moment that really sells it for me is in the first attack, the first time they enter the village, they, question mark, it's the elders. But, you know, when they're in the basement and he's like laughing and clapping and like, come on in, you know? Yeah. He thinks it's one of his parents. All right. It's just, I don't think that's clear enough. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The You're fact, right. The fact the, the movie makes it look like this is the one and only time he's ever gotten out, which is why I said, that's fucking convenient. <laughs> like, the stars aligned on look, that one. A marriage certificate. <laughs> yeah, like, exposition. <laughs> no, that whole line where Percy's like, he must have found one of the suits we kept under the floorboards. I'm like... You're just now noticing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just mad, that's all. So the Percy's now know it's Noah, and they're going to convey that to all the other elders. Ivy comes to the road where her father said it would be. A half day's journey will bring you to a hidden road. You, alone, will follow the road and leave Covington Woods. You are to tell no one in the towns where we are. And, like, when she finally gets to the fence, the way she just slams into it, it's not funny. She's blind, but she hits that fence hard. And you're like, oh, shit. And so, yeah, she just kind of grabs hold of the vineage and... Is that a word? It's Ivy Ross. Her name's Ivy because she climbs walls. That's not why. Yes, it is. No, it's not. That's not why. Yes, it is. Lucius's name is Lucius because it means light. And he is the one that gives off the light she can see. Light also representative of hope, which is... Wow, that's very astute, Carrie Ann. (laughs) Didn't think you'd do that much research into this. Good for you. Good for you. I'm proud. I'm a proud little nugget today. (laughs) Oh, my God. So here's the part where people started walking out of the theater. Remember those little black boxes we've been seeing? The boxes that must not be opened. I think, yeah, I think after that very raw meeting 
between between everyone. I think everyone just kind of decided, okay, let's go home. Let's open our boxes and get over our shit. Well, the walkers are opening theirs. And here's where we learn about the terrible, awful Dumbledore lies. So basically in the late 60s, early 70s, when everyone still lived in the towns or the city or whatever, you know, we learn that the elders, along with some other people who have since died, were all in a grief counseling group together. They had all specifically been victims of crimes. Yes. Assaults, murders, rapes. Or their family members had. Yes. So like this, we have this picture that they're holding up of all of the elders out in front of where they meet. It's like the 1970s. Yeah, it's like 1972, something like that. Baby Lucius is in the picture. Mm-hmm. And because you can, there's that Oldsmobile sitting out in front of the building that they're all at. My father was shot by a business partner who then hanged himself in my father's closet. They had argued over money. I am a professor. I teach American history at the University of Pennsylvania. I have an idea that I would like to talk to you about. It was Earth all along, guys! (laughs) (laughs) Edward, (laughs) Edward banded all these people together. He's like, listen, I've got some money. I know of some land that I own. They're in a nature preserve named after Walker. Yeah. It's in the middle of this huge preserve. His father's billions fund it. And there are men that protect it and patrol it so that nobody goes in. There's also an instituted no-fly zone over this private property. So speaking of the men that patrol it, she hip-hops over the fence. And I just love the... (laughs) So we have... Kevin. Kevin is a patrolman for this wildlife preservation. And he pulls up in this like patrol jeep and she's flailing over the edge of the fence and he's like, I'm gonna check this out. Somebody drinking probably. How did you how'd you get here? Are you from the towns? Where are you from? The what? You came from the woods. He's just standing there looking at her and she gives him the list. She she almost tells him things, but she's like, please, sir, we must make haste. Oh, God. I love how he goes, you you live in there? <laughs> and she goes, I do, sir. Ivy, you fucked up. You weren't supposed to tell him where you came from. He, she also gave him her name. What's your name? Ivy? Ivy Elizabeth Walker. She gave him her name. And he's like, it's the name on my truck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can you imagine? Kevin didn't know that there were people in there. Let's be very clear about that. Nobody seems to know. Honestly, if he had known there were people in there, he would have just been gotten on the radio and been like, uh, yeah, the Walker girl is out here and she needs supplies. Yeah, no, yeah. But he does not radio this in. Yeah. Kevin says, you know what? I'm freaked out, but I'm going to help you. And so he hauls ass to a guard tower where M. Night is behind the desk. Jay the guard. (laughs) 
His name's Jay. <laughs> and Jay's like, did you take care of that? And, Jay, and Kevin's like, well, you know, it was just some teenagers. They were lost. I sent them on their way. And this is where Jay tells him, don't get chummy with people. Yeah. Because then people might ask questions. A few years ago, it got out in the papers that some government guys had been paid off to keep plane routes from flying over this place. It was a very stressful time for me. Don't cause me any troubles. Do not get into conversations. I'm going to say the thing about the planes and you can roll your eyes at me, but give me 15 seconds. The explanation for this is that the government is being paid to make this a no-fly zone. However, when you take into account the fact that this would take billions of dollars over a 25-year period, that's okay, fine. You know, a billionaire in 19-whatever-the-hell-this-is-supposed-to-be... That's a lot of fucking money. There's that. But then here's the other thing. Planes fly into no-fly zones all the time. It doesn't mean they'll necessarily notice. That's true, but it's just like, Papa, Papa, what is that sound? In the sky. <laughs> what is that big metal bird, Papa? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Edward literally has just convinced all of these people that it is 100 years earlier than what it actually is. This is a cult. A little bit. This is a cult. Like, again, you have to watch this at least twice to fully grasp the gravity of what they have done. I believe in their mission that they just wanted to get back to a simpler time. I think they have confused preserving innocence with promoting ignorance. Mm. Because when this shit happened... They didn't know how to deal because they've been running from it for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Loss, grief, depression, closure. They literally, they literally time traveled. <laughs> they literally time traveled to cope. Mm -hmm. So Kevin asks Jay if he can borrow the ladder because he's got to put up a sign when actually he's going to steal the medications. And I love when he opens the the uh door of the refrigerator that the penicillin's in and the the glass like glosses over and you can see m night Shyamalan reflected in it oh no it's yeah. good camera work yeah and so he takes the penicillin and shit back you know we get the shot of kevin sitting in the jeep with the <laughs> ladder lent up against the jeep like this is the weirdest day of work i've ever had so yeah he gave her a ladder so that he, she could get back in and now he just knows yeah. that there's a cult living in the woods. Yeah. And he's probably not going to say anything to anybody about it. <laughs> I just, that's just, that's crazy. That's a loose end, no matter how you slice it. So we're in the clinic and Jesse Eisenberg comes to the door. <laughs> he, he gets a few more lines. All the elders are in the room and he goes, Ivy has returned with medicines from the towns. She was attacked by a creature and killed it. And Vivian immediately breaks down because oh, she sad. knows it's Noah. It's sad. It is very sad. Yeah. And like, I just, Walker looks them all in the face and goes, we will tell everybody the creatures killed him. Your son has made our stories real. Noah has given us a chance to continue this place. If that is something we still wish for. This sequence is, it's called The Vote. What, what 
vote exactly is happening here? Are we standing up to say, yes, we'll continue? Or standing up to say, no, let's not do this anymore? We're standing up to say, let's continue. Okay, okay. So like one by one, they all stand up to say yes. And Vivian's the last one to stand. She's just sitting there fuming like, okay, my son's fucking dead because of all of this. But all right, you fuckers, I guess we'll go along with everything. Yeah. And she stands up and everybody's like, okay. We're doing this. We're doing this. And then Ivy comes in and they lead her to his side. She takes his hand and she just goes, Come back, Lucius. Roll credits, what? Yeah. We don't find out if he lives. We don't find out if anybody's actually straight with her ever about the nature of the situation. Because remember, she still doesn't know that they're living in a time capsule. Yeah. She can't see anything in the outside world. Mm -hmm. So for all she knows, she's just been to a very different place. But the thing is, she needed to know sooner or later. Because, you know, what does Edward say? He's like, who do you think will continue this place? Do you plan to live forever? Ivy and Lucius and all of their children. Yeah. It's an investment in the future. It's just so freaking weird and fucked up there at the end. And I'm just like, we're gonna, we're just gonna go on pretending like none of this happened. I would like to think that Lucius does survive. God, I would hope so. Yeah. Why couldn't you give me that satisfaction, M. Knight? Why couldn't you do that? Just that one little thing for me? When you think about what they did, what they are depriving their families of in favor of them feeling more comfortable that's a lot they don't want anyone to face the same evil that they have faced but like you can't block out the evil that's what they have learned through this entire experience i think that this movie is even very prevalent right now the amount of fear that we live with every single day in the United States. Like, there are definitely more dangerous places in the world, but this is a very dangerous place right now. Evil is right outside your door, whether it's, you know, law enforcement, the virus, even a stranger. I mean, people are hard-pressed for things right now. You know, people are getting robbed, evicted. There's disease around the corner. There are creatures in the woods. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's what the elders created. They created this cult of fear in order to control people. That is very much what is happening to this country today. Watching this now, it hits different. We, Like you said, dealing with many different things. Innocence, loss, hope, sorrow, being at peace, and fear. You know, you can't cheat life. It's going to happen to you, no matter how hard, and they did try hard. Oh, God, did they ever. To get away from it. That's what I love about this movie, because it taught me to reject fear and embrace beauty. You can choose to see the beauty and the hope in the world, and not all of the terrible awful, because I think in the last five years, that's what we've all been doing finding different ways to run from sorrow or to drown it out. That approach does make sense for you. It does. Your approach to this movie in and of itself is to see the beauty, 
the beautiful parts of it, like the visuals and the cinematography and the love story between Ivy and Lucius. And the music. And the music. And you don't um see the bad parts, like how the story... <laughs> like the huge of- plot holes and the plagiarism <laughs> and the stupidness. <laughs> the colossal miscalculation, as Roger Ebert refers to it. But that's what I think the paradox of this movie is. I think that with the context of the time, like everybody was waiting with bated breath to see what this twist was going to be. And then it is tantamount to It Was Earth All Along, which is a famous movie twist. (laughs) And or like you said at the beginning where it's like, it's all a dream. Yeah. It feels like kind of cheap. And so they won't watch this movie a second time either because they already know the twist or because it ticked them off. And this is a movie that bears watching more than once. You hate it less the more you watch it, I think is what I'm trying to say. And so, like, the only question I have left is what person in their right mind would give up indoor plumbing? (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't care how awful the world is. I'm not shitting in a hole if I don't have to. I wonder how much American Pickers they had to watch before going to settle this place. Like, honestly. Guys, that's it. It's the village. We did it. We covered the village. It was not an unpleasant way to spend an evening. (laughs) I get it. So that's it, guys. Ross has one more choice left for birthday month. Guys, I'm kind of sad, but you know what? We got to wrap up this whole birthday month thing because we're killing each other here. (laughs) And it is time for spooky season. Yeah, we can't. Oh, we can't. Guys, we're going to have lots of great choices for you for spooky season. Can't wait for October. But first, like she said, we have one more birthday selection. I have just been told moments ago that I will be completely surprised. I couldn't decide what I wanted my fourth pick to be. We, I was going to do like the hours, but we can do that anytime. Then I thought, what about Billy Elliot? And then I was like, mm, maybe next year. So for our last selection of September, we'll be doing the 2004 science fiction film, I, Robot. What? Yes. you got to be kidding me. Will Smith, baby. Will Smith. Oh my God. Are you excited? I am very excited. Yay. I'm vibrating. It's from the same year. Oh! <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, guys, be on the lookout for that. We can't wait for you to hear that one. Oh my god. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. Since we're coming to the end of both birthday months, we'd love it if you guys went online and added us, told us what choices were your favorite these past two months. Be nice. Yeah, be nice. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. You can write to us at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, guys, rate, review, retweet. And that goes for us and the fine people we've mentioned in the show notes. Absolutely. I can't believe we're doing that, bro. I'm I'm glad you're excited. I thought you might be excited for that. Oh, shit. Okay, take it out. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, Sorry, Mom. Got the news, got the news, got the news.